Hi, and welcome back to the Story Savant Podcast, where we geek out about stories and pull insights from them that will make us better human beings, all while going about our day, raising the kids, paying the bills, and striving to become passionate, empathetic players in our own lives. You feel me? I'm Liesl Hill, author, entrepreneur, and story lover. I believe consuming stories in any form encourages Christian values, increases spirituality, and helps us develop a more transcendent, godlike understanding of the world around us, the universe at large, and God's plan for us in it. Come join me. Let's talk stories. Hello there, and thanks for coming to listen to my very first show. My name is Liesl Hill. I am a fiction author who writes under three different pen names. I'll tell you more about myself in a minute. This show is going to discuss story craft, but more importantly, it's going to discuss the importance of stories. It's my very first show. I am kind of nervous, so please bear with me. I'm also really stepping outside my comfort zone doing this. I'm actually very introverted, which probably doesn't mean what everybody thinks it means, but it just means that talking is not my baseline. Most of the way I communicate is done through writing. However, I do know that a lot of podcasters are very introverted, and introverts tend to be good at this sort of thing, so I'm going to try my hand at it. I would like to give a disclaimer, first of all, that... This is my first show. I'm very new at this, and it's not going to be perfect, but that's okay. I hope that you will stick with me and learn with me, and feel free to tell me when I make mistakes, and feel free to interact with me through the comments or through any other way that you can reach me, which I will give you. They will always be in the show notes, my email, and that sort of thing. So I talked about how this podcast is going to talk about the importance of stories. After being a writer for more than 10 years of fiction, I've done a lot of study of storycraft. And while I'm sure there are other podcasts that talk about storycraft, mine is specifically going to talk about the psychology of it. It's one thing to say, this is how you create an amazing story. But my interest lies not only in that, but in why we as human beings are basically designed to absorb a certain type of story or a certain structure of story. Stories are really, really important, probably more than most people realize. And people love them, but they don't know why they love them. So I'm going to talk about how to recognize good stories, why we love them, and why they're so important in our lives. For example, most people love to consume stories, but they don't ever think about why they love to consume them or what the importance of consuming them is. If you were to ask them, they would just say, eh, you know, I want to go see the Avengers movie because it's awesome. For a lot of women, it's because of the romance and they like that. For a lot of the men, if stuff's blowing up, they're great. They're right there for the blowing up stuff. But... Why? Why does that light us up? Why do we crave that so much? Because most forms of entertainment have to do with story. They can be different uh, mediums to tell the story. They can be, you know, you can take different roles in that, whether you're just consuming it or being part of it, or, you know, if you're playing a game. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but most entertainment that we use as escapism has something to do with a story, and that's important. Today, I'm just going to start by telling you about myself and give you an idea of who I am and why I'm doing this and why I have any right at all to talk to you about the importance of stories. As I said, my name is Liesl K. Hill. I actually write fiction under three pen names. Liesl K. Hill is what I write my sci-fi and fantasy under. Right now I have a dystopian series that's nearly finished, and I'm working on a dragon series, which will be high fantasy, which will um, debut closer to the end of the year. I write my historical fiction and historical romance under K.L. Conger. Interesting story about that pen name, but let me come back to it. My third pen name is just my initials, L.K. Hill, instead of Liesl K. Hill, and I write my crime fiction under those initials. So how I came up with K.L. Conger, I actually just started this 
pen name a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And it was because I had both my crime fiction and my historical fiction under the same pen name. And I'm not going to get into a lot of the details for anybody who doesn't really care about author book marketing, but let's just say I needed a different pen name because the genres were so different. It was making it difficult for me to sell my books. And I didn't really have another way that I could think of to use my current initials. (laughs) So what I did is I swapped my first and second initial. So instead of LK, it was KL. And then I used Conger, which is my mother's maiden name. So I'm basically giving a little homage to that side of the family. Some other things about me. I'm single. I don't have any kids of my own, but I have actually run a daycare for quite a while. I'm not running a full-fledged business daycare right now. I basically just take care of my nieces and nephews, but that is what I do for work. I kind of do daycare as a way to pay the bills (laughs) and make some money. And Moonlight is an author. Hopefully those two things will kind of switch around and I can be making more money as an author uh, within the next year. But I love watching kids. They keep me on my toes. I will probably talk about them and how funny they are on this podcast from time to time. I love dark chocolate. That's my favorite treat. I am a self-proclaimed Walking Dead junkie. So you will probably hear some story craft where we will talk about The Walking Dead because it's one of my favorite things to geek out about. Um, I'm also a chronic list maker. Yes, it is a disease. And I am always writing a story in my head. There's a meme. Uh, you can find it on Pinterest that just says that. It's just words against the background. I am always writing a story in my head that could not be truer of me. As soon as I found that meme, that became my motto right there. All right, so let's talk a little bit about my story. For a long time in, uh, it's probably as early as junior high, I decided I wanted to be a doctor. My mom was in the medical field, and of course that affected me a lot, and I just liked the idea of, of being a doctor. I was also very bookish, like I said, very introverted and very bookish, so I kind of wanted to pick sort of what you might call a more uh, cerebral career, but I really did want to be a doctor, and I was 100% committed to that path until I got into college. I took actually several semesters of pre-med classes before it finally occurred to me that I was super miserable. I just didn't like it, and even though at the time I wasn't really thinking about writing as a career, looking back, I have to kind of laugh at myself because I would be sitting in these science classes. And don't get me wrong, I love science. I'm still fascinated by science and I do tend to use it in my stories, at least somewhat. But I would be sitting in my science class and I would be thinking up stories. So that really should have given me a little bit of a clue to what my real calling was. But I notoriously, when it comes to myself and insights about myself, it takes me forever to get there. I'm really slow on the uptake when it comes to my own life. Other people, I think, you know, looking at them, maybe because it's it's more objective. I'm not that slow, but when it comes to myself, yeah, it takes me forever. So anyway, I took several semesters of pre-med before finally admitting to myself that I was miserable and didn't really want to do that, and it really wasn't suited to me. And then I remember feeling kind of like I was floundering and thinking, okay, well, if I'm not going to do that, what am I going to do? But it really didn't take me long to come up with the answer. It was probably like three hours or so, um, because I had always loved writing. I'd always loved reading. I was a bookworm. I, I had always thought that I would write a book one day, but I was because I was committed to a a career in medicine, I just figured I would do it on the side. I mean, you have people like Robin Cook that write medical thrillers, something like that, or maybe do it in retirement. But then I kind of made that dream come front and center for myself. And it was like a whole new world opened up to me. Anyone who's experienced this probably knows what I'm talking about. It wasn't necessarily a change on the outside that other people would have seen, but I just felt so different about the world. I suddenly loved my coursework and I loved what I was doing and I was super passionate about it. And I felt like my whole world changed overnight, even though all I really did was change my major. So I ended up graduating in English literature and kind of an interesting side story that I wanted to share. I actually met a handful of people, not tons, like four or five people who were in the writing program with me who had also been in science or medical-related careers and then had switched. And they had almost identical stories to mine that they really liked the medical 
field and they really wanted to go into that, but then they took some of the courses and realized it wasn't for them. And when they switched to writing, their whole world changed. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. I think it's a, it's sort of a symptom of, of really creative people. And that is that there's something about the medical industry that is very romanticized. We all know it's hard work. We all know it's not always fun work, but it's seen as heroic work. It's also, it's not actually as true in our society anymore, but historically it's been seen as something that makes a lot of money. You know, if you become a doctor, you'll be set for life. Like I said, really not true in our day and age anymore, but it used to be. And so I think that because we have very romantic minds when it comes to creativity, we just, there's a percentage of us. <laughs> like I said, it was only five people, but I think there's a percentage of people who sort of go after the wrong career that they think will suit them. And it takes them a little while to realize that they are creatives at heart and nothing is going to make them happier than being a creative. So I was kind of glad that I wasn't the only one who uh, went through that, but I'm not. And I've met many, many more people since, not necessarily who tried to go into the medical career, but other careers, corporate careers, you know, law, what have you, who really didn't feel like they found their true calling until they, they started being creative. So I guess lesson to take away there is find your true calling, be happy. It's really not fun otherwise. Okay, so after that, I, like I said, I went into English, and my favorite thing to do in my English courses was to analyze literature. Of course, being an English major, you have to take certain classes that aren't fun, like grammar classes and things like that. And, you know, I, I did okay in those classes, but they weren't my favorite. I loved analyzing stories. And I could come up with theme, I could come up with arcs and characterization. I remember analyzing, we had a, a random assignment in one class to analyze the lyrics of a song, any song. So I picked a Linkin Park song that I loved and analyzed it. And I think I knocked my professor's socks off. He was going, wow, this is amazing, you know, and I, but that, but I got that, that, that kind of feedback a lot from professors that I was just really good at that. So I started very openly saying that I wanted to be an author. I wanted to write books. I finished my degree. I thought about doing higher education, going back for my master's. But after looking into it, I found that it wasn't exactly what I wanted. The coursework would have been where I wanted to focus. And ultimately, I decided that I just wanted to start writing my own stuff. So I never did that. I have a bachelor's degree, but I never went to school beyond that. For the next few years, I did write. But of course, I was a fresh out of college student. I had to work to pay the bills. And at the time, I probably would have told you that I was working super hard, really gung-ho about it. I actually wasn't. It was kind of one of those things I didn't know what I didn't know. I kind of dabbled. And I was writing uh, one to two books a year at most. And and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. There's plenty of writers who only write one to two books a year, and that's fantastic. But for me, I really could have done more, and I was kind of being lazy about it. It wasn't until a, a few years ago when I actually started being really gung-ho and learning everything and, and becoming an entrepreneur about it that I realized how much I wasn't doing back then and that I would probably never have been very successful taking the route that I did. And I can talk more about my actual writing journey. I started with some traditional small presses and and I'm not with them anymore. I am fully indie author now, but I'm not going to get too much into that today. I want to focus on specifically how I learned to analyze stories. So I was already pretty, pretty good at it in college. And of course, I learned a lot more about it in college. Well, about five years ago, that's when my sort of what I like to call my walking dead career started. I'm not going to preach to you about the show. This is my favorite show. And I know there are plenty of people out there that don't like it. But what I will say is that the symbolism, the foreshadowing, the story structure in this show is put in it very heavily and very purposefully. And I have some crazy out there theories about where the show's going, but whether I'm right or not, if you want to learn to analyze symbolism, this is one of the best shows to do it. They are very particular, very detail-oriented, and very precise. And so I basically started analyzing the symbolism in the show about five years ago. I started a blog, a small blog on Tumblr. My account is TWD Music Box Mystery, if you want to find me. I'm also on 
Instagram and, and a couple of other places, but my, my actual little blog is on Tumblr. Now, of course, this is not something I can make money on. It does not belong to me. It's just a fan account, you know, that I like to do this, but I found other people who also love doing this. And to this day, we get together and we analyze theories and we look at things in the show. And I only bring that up because I think it made me much better at looking at story structure, being able to analyze what's there and why it works and what doesn't work. There've been times in the show that they've done things that haven't worked. And we've talked about why this particular thing isn't working too well for the audience, that sort of thing. So it's not like a professional job I was paid for, but I have a lot of experience analyzing stories and figuring out why they work and why they don't work. So then about, oh, it was probably three years ago. I'm not sure. I know it wasn't last year. Three or four years ago, I taught a workshop at the annual League of Utah Writers Conference. I'm in Utah. I don't think I told you that. And this is the local writers league that's pretty big. I taught a workshop on storycraft. I believe I called the workshop something along the lines of how to write a page-turning novel that your readers just can't put down or something like that. I don't remember exactly what the title was. And it was a pretty packed room. It was a large room. We were in a conference center. There was probably, oh, 50-ish seats in this room. And it was it was standing room only. It was really busy. And I think that's because of the title that I used that drew a lot of people in. And also at these conferences, you tend to get a lot of newbie writers that are either just starting out or only have a few books. So, you know, something a more seasoned writer wouldn't be quite as interested in this workshop. But because of what the conference was, the kind of writer it catered to, everybody wanted this workshop. I packed a lot of information into that workshop. I think I was just given an hour and I was pushing it at the end. I didn't get much Q&A in because I had so much material. But I got a lot of really good compliments about it, a lot of really good feedback, people coming up and talking to me about it and saying it was great and everything. But my favorite experience <laughs> at that at that conference was actually happened the next day. I went into another workshop that I was just going to be attending as an audience member that I was not teaching. And another young woman came and sat down beside me. And, you know, if anyone's ever been to writers' conferences or any conferences, people tend to hey, how you doing? Where are you from? And with writers, it's what do you write? What genre are you in? How many books do you have? You know, you just network and, and get to know people. So this woman sat down next to me and, and she started, you know, doing that. We were kind of talking and getting to know one another. And then she said, you look really familiar to me. And she didn't look especially familiar to me. So I was just kind of going, oh, really? And she said, have you taught any classes here? And I said, oh, yeah, I taught this workshop yesterday. And I told her what it was. And she said, oh, yeah, that's where I know you from. And as it turned out, she had not actually attended the workshop. But right at the end of it, when people were filing out, she had walked in to find a friend of hers that was attending and had just seen me up at the front of the room talking to people. And so that's why she recognized me. But then she turned to me and she said, you know, I didn't attend your workshop, but I really wish that I had. I've talked to several people who attended it, and they have said that it was life-changing. Talk about an ego boost. I was very happy to hear that. <laughs> the point is that I know I can teach storycraft and I can teach it well and convey it to people in a way that they really connect with. So that was a big ego boost for me and I was really happy about that. Unfortunately, like I said, this was a few years ago and I still kind of set it aside. I didn't really pursue it because at the time I didn't think that there was really anything I could do with it. I, I had a blog, I still have a blog, and I put some elements of it on my blog for sure. And even there I got really good comments and, and really good feedback, but I didn't I guess I didn't really know where to go from there with it. I didn't think there was any way I could actually make money doing that. And I didn't know if there was an audience for it. But this was before podcasting really exploded. So I kind of set it aside. The only way in which I was actually using it was simply by using it to write my own stories and to make sure that my stories were really great. So that pretty much uh, gets us up to speed on where I'm at. Like I said, I became a really gung-ho 
entrepreneur a little over a year ago. And that was mostly, I, I think I had the writing where it needed to be, but it was mostly learning marketing. And this, this podcast is not going to focus on marketing. But what I will say is that the more I consume and write stories, the more I realize how very important stories are to all of us. We actually need them as human beings for our spiritual and psychological well-being. Most people don't realize that, or at least not consciously. So... Who is this podcast going to be for? First and foremost, it's going to be for anyone who wants to get more out of a story. Let me tell you a little little story about my life. And I'm going to give you a warning here. I am going to give some spoilers for the Game of Thrones TV series. If you have not watched the end and you don't want these spoilers, skip ahead three and a half, four minutes. Because I'm going to give some spoilers for the very end of the series. I was a big Game of Thrones fan. I had read the books and I watched the HBO series. And especially during that final season, several of my brothers who live close by would come over to my house every Sunday. We would watch it together. Now, I got to tell you, it's really fun watching shows with my brothers. Like I said, I'm introverted, which means that most of my reactions, emotional reactions, it's not that I don't have them. Introverts actually probably have stronger emotions than, than most other people, but we tend to just keep them in. So all of my reactions tend to be on the inside. And I can react outwardly, but I have to kind of get myself in the mindset to do that if people need to see my outward reactions, because sometimes people do, and that's the only problem with being an introvert, is that sometimes people in your life need to see what your emotions are for them, and you need to be able to give them that. But again, it's not my baseline. I, I tend to be more more introverted with my reactions. So... My brothers, on the other hand, are very extroverted with their reactions. They're very vocal. They're very loud. They're, all of their emotional reactions come out. And so that's why I say it was so fun to watch the show with them. Maybe it's only fun for me because I know them. People who don't know them, I don't know that you would feel the same. But it was just as entertaining for me to watch them watch the show as to actually watch the show. <laughs> okay, so here's here's the story I wanted to tell. At the end of that series, there's a character who was who actually in the whole series who continually died and then came back to life, just part of the fantasy world. His name was Dondarrion. And they reached a point at the very end, a couple of episodes from the end of the series, where he was killed, he died, and everybody stood around waiting for him to resurrect again, because that's what he always did. Only this time, he didn't. And everyone was shocked and going, what's going on? Why is he not coming back to life? This always happens for him. Well, one of the characters, happened to be my favorite character in the series, Arya, the Red Witch went up to her and said, every single time that he has resurrected has been so that he could be here in this moment to save you. Because... I should have said that first. The first, when he died this time, it was saving her life. And nobody thought much of it. He would jump in front of people and save their lives all the time because he knew he would come back. So it wasn't quite as heroic as it might be for another person. But you still liked him. He was a good guy. You let, you know, he was a good character. This time he didn't get back up. And the witch told her, it's every single time he has resurrected, it has been because he needed to be here in this moment to save your life. And I loved that. I actually, that was one thing that I actually vocally said. I went, ooh. That's interesting. She's about to do something awesome because she needed to be preserved the entire series for this moment. And I kind of made a big deal about that. Well, then, sure enough, as the episode progresses, she ends up being the one that deals the final blow to the biggest bad guy in the series and actually kills him. It was kind of a group effort, and there's a lot of things that went into it, but she's the one that actually stabbed him, right, and killed him. So that was pretty awesome. Afterward, me and my brother sat around discussing it because we always did. We'd have these really big, long, deep discussions about what happened and why and where it might be going. And my younger brother, he made a comment just about what I had made a comment about and saying, yeah, that was really cool that he had to keep coming back to life in order to save her. 
And I kind of realized that he wasn't quite connecting the dots. He hadn't followed the conclusions all the way through. And I said, yeah, so that she could kill the Night King. And his eyes just went really big, like as big as saucers. And he kind of made one of those motions with his hands of his brain exploding. And I just started laughing watching his reaction. It's just like watching someone have a massive light bulb moment, you know? And that was super fun. That was like one of my favorite experiences ever with with Game of Thrones is watching him come to to that conclusion. But why am I telling you this story? Uh, Well, because it's a fun story for me to tell, but that's not the only reason. I said before that you would get a lot out of this podcast if you want to get more out of a story. So if you do any of the things that I kind of described in the story, if you sit around thinking about a story a long time after it's over, if you have like, if stories tend to give you such an emotional jolt that you think about them for days after or have long discussions about them with family or friends or feel the need to get online and blog about them or talk to other people in a fandom. This is why online fandoms exist because people need to get together and geek out about their favorite characters and their favorite stories. And if any of that describes you, you'll get something out of this podcast. We are going to kind of be eggheady, <laughs> which just means we're going to analyze the crap out of stories, but we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. And we're going to talk about not only what makes the story work, but why that's important. And I'm going to give you the reason that the basic, really huge umbrella overall reason that stories are important. I already said that they're important for our emotional and psychological well-being, but it's also that they encourage positive values. They encourage Christian values. Even if you're not a Christian or not religious, this isn't going to be a super, super religious podcast. They encourage humanity and morality and kindness and compassion and empathy. They encourage emotional empathy. And we're going to go into this a lot more as we go throughout the podcast. There actually is scientific evidence of this now that we have the technology to measure to a certain extent. You know, we need to see people triumph. We need to see good overcoming bad. That is something we actually need. And while this is not possible to actually measure this or study this, I would submit that if we were not capable of escapism in our own brains, we would all be insane. We need it that desperately. So that's what the podcast is going to be about. This is for anybody who wants to get more out of a story, who wants to geek out and analyze stories, who wants to use them to sort of enhance their own spirituality and think about why they help you to become a better person. And I'm going to give you permission again and again and again to go consume stories. So if you need an excuse to go see the new Avengers movie or watch that new series on Netflix, yeah, I'm your I'm your gal. I'm going to give you the permission to do that. The other, per- the other group of people that would probably get a lot out of this are writers who are into story craft and just want to make their stories deeper and more resonant with audiences. Kind of by default, you're going to get that out of this podcast. We're going to talk about different ways to analyze stories and they're all equally valuable. So I'll give you a lot of different tools to use to look at a story. So yeah, I think I'm going to shut up for today. On the next episode, I will talk about the psychology of escapism, what it is, why it's important, kind of go delve a little deeper into some of the things I mentioned today. And then after that, we will start analyzing stories and getting into kind of the meat of things. So I hope that you've enjoyed my story of my journey and that you'll stick with me for at least a few episodes to see if this podcast uh, has any value for you. And I will see you next time. Thanks for joining me today. You can find all my fiction on my website at authorlkhill.com forward slash books. If you found value in anything you've heard today, do me a favor and go leave me a review on iTunes. It's the best and easiest way that you can thank me and help others to find and be inspired by the same concepts. Together, we can lift each other through our stories to new heights of understanding and compassion for our fellow man and gain an eternal godlike perspective on our own spirituality. So go consume some stories today. I give you permission.